So when I was young, I was I was told of a potential not cure but preventative method to stimulate your hair follicles so that you don't end up like I am right now. And uh, one of the one of the cures was cod liver oil. Is if you rub it into your head every day that it'll stimulate the hair follicles and keep them healthy. However, seeing this treatment done on another person, I saw ultimately years later, it didn't work. Because the problem with baldness, it isn't, I guess, an external issue, but it's an internal issue. And it comes down to the genes very strongly to your, your mother's father. And if he is uh, follically challenged, there's very high likelihood that you will be too. So anyhow, we're talking about, we're in Colossians. And I think the Colossians, they heard the good news about Jesus. But Jesus's good news that he'd come to deal with sin and take care of the internal problem was getting distorted by several false teachings. They weren't really sure. A lot of the scholars are not sure what the teachings were, but, you know, there was one about circumcision and other things that they were teaching, you know, connections to spiritual entities and uh, all these different things that the people were kind of getting confused with the gospel that they still had to do or make connections to do. Paul is basically saying they don't work. They don't work. So I can see even, you know, in our world today, that even the message of Christ has been distorted. I know growing up when I was a kid, I went to uh, a church. I was taught Jesus and the basic information. But I really thought, well, if I go to church once a week and do that thing, I'm okay. And if I'm generally good, I'll be fine. And I think that's, you know, a lot of people believe that. If you're a relatively good person and you try to do good and you, and you go occasionally to church, maybe confess your sins, and the pastor does, you know, a little ceremony that basically washes the sins of the congregation away. But that really isn't true. And we've also seen in other things like in our society is like we don't like to deal with sin. We kind of reclassify sin. We basically say what's bad is now good, and what's good is okay. And if you're okay, I'm okay. As long as uh, everybody doesn't really judge you, you know, everything's good. We basically almost get rid of sin, now that there isn't really sin, other than the real bad ones that everybody can see. And then a lot of people leave, there's no, there's no hell. God doesn't judge, he's a loving God. There's no judgment. Now, there's no hell, you know, as long as you repent, you know, God's going to take care of you and everyone will be okay. We see how our government does with sin. They make money off of it. They tax it. They put high taxes on alcohol, tobacco. Now marijuana is the next thing. And gambling. Before there was no gambling other than in Nevada. Now it is everywhere. They're even t- taxing sugar drinks. Drinking that excess sugar is no good and... They're figuring out to put taxes on that. So the government, they make money off sin. They tax it. And they try to get people not to do it. But 
I think in hindsight, they almost hope they keep doing it so they get more money coming in. And then there's other things. We kind of rely on technology and taking care of ourselves and doing, trying to do all the right things, you know, from a moral standpoint and then from taking care of, you know, your body through exercise and various things. And then we also think that uh, these phones can help us, that there's always an app, you know, that can help us. There's an app that will keep you calm. I think there's one called Be Calm. There's an app that helps you sleep. There's an app that helps you lose weight. So there's all these things to kind of deal with kind of the vices of man. But Paul basically says there's only one way to take care of sin. And that, as we know, is Christ. So if you want to go to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, he's kind of setting... Telling this church in Colossians is all this other stuff doesn't matter, but only Christ does. So I'll, I'll read these first three verses. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So we know that as a believer, we believe that Jesus died for our sins and he paid the debt for our sins. And there's no reason, there's no thing that we can do to raise ourselves up to God. The only one that can restore that relationship is Jesus's blood. And us repenting of our sins and asking Jesus to come into our life and forgive us of our sins. And we identify with what he did on the cross and dying for our sins is what that restores our relationship. So Paul is saying is to set our minds on things above and not of the things of the world. And it's not that he's telling you you can do whatever you want and as long as you have the right attitude you're good. He's saying that in everything you do, your motivation should be Christ and and thinking of from a heavenly perspective, not on an earthly perspective. Like when you're you're an athlete or a runner, you know, or you're in a race, you kind of set your mind on the finish line. And that's your goal is to get there. And as everything that you do and every step or stride you make, you're pursuing that goal of getting to the finish line. And you have a picture of what awaits. There'll be drinks. There's rest. There'll be just a feeling of relief. Paul is kind of saying the same thing. You know, it's not easy in this world, but if your mind is set on Christ and where he stands in heaven, in his position in heaven, is basically the authority of all life, you're going to be okay. And he also talks about the life that Christ helps you internally dealing with sin through the Holy Spirit. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and repent of our sins, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And it's that work that he's doing inside of us that's helping us to run that race to the goal of being with Christ and Jesus in heaven. And he's reminding us 
of that trans, transformational work of the Holy Spirit, of the old self dying and the new self being born with the motivation of being like Jesus. So Paul is showing to the Colossians that Christ is the example. Christ is the motivation. And he goes on in, later in the passage and he tells them to basically be holy, to start avoiding all the earthly vices that are entrapping them, sexual immorality and, and lying and, and other things that he's bringing up in, in this book. He's saying not to do them. But in everything that he says, he sums it up in verse 17 and says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So he's basically saying, yes, you should pursue holiness. You should pursue being Christ-like, but you don't pursue it through your own motivation." Your motivation has to be Christ. And your vision of being with him should be your your goal. Because ultimately, you know, we're going to be with Jesus in heaven. That's our goal. I mean, we, we want to bring as many people with us to have that completeness. He created us and he desires us to be whole. And he desires us to be with him forever. So that's what Jesus, I mean, Paul was writing is to the Colossians, your motivation should be Christ and your eyes should be upwards. Like Daniel, when he was praying, when he was in Babylon, he always prayed in the direction of Jerusalem. He was praying to the Lord, but his motivation was to intercede for his people. He had seen all the sins of the people and he was always praying in that direction. So as we go through life, our direction should always be thinking, what would Christ do? I mean, there was a book written about that. You know, what would Jesus do? And there was actually kind of a movement started on that. And it is a good reminder. And that's kind of what Christ is telling, I mean, uh, Paul is telling the Colossians, is what would Jesus do in these situations? Would he have you just be circumcised when it really doesn't matter? You were raised a Gentile. It doesn't matter to go back, go forward with your eyes on me. He's, he's telling all of us to do that, even to this day. Because we can easily get confused, and the, and the gospel can get distorted in our minds and in our hearts. This is just a reminder that when we get that confused, we have to look up. We have to look up and see Christ. I read a lot of testimonies of different people. And I read this book. It's about Richard Sigmund. He had some time in heaven. I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs of what he portrayed that he saw in heaven. The golden pathway led to buildings further ahead. Suddenly I was there. The pathway stopped. At the street made of a clear substance, it was like a jewel, intermingled with strands of gold. This road looked like a main street in a town. I was then taken to a group of people and noticed them standing. I noticed them watching my wonderment at the sights I saw. Every now and again, I traveled down the pathway. I would get a glimpse of Jesus 
just a little way ahead. He was talking with people, loving them, hugging them. They were looking at him with such expressions of adoration and worship that I wanted to be there just to fall at his feet. Yet the angel would say just a little further down the path, you have an appointment with God and you will meet with the Lord. The anticipation was bubbling within me. I just wanted to be with Jesus, but I knew I had to wait. So this is just one testimony of this, this man who, who died momentarily in a car crash and was transported to heaven. And he wrote down what the visions he saw during that experience. Now, it's not biblical, but it seems to me it's pretty close to matching with everybody wants to go visit Jesus in heaven. He is the main attraction. There was much beauty, and there's other things that he described that is just unbelievable what God has made for each of us when we get there. But the main attraction, and everyone wanted to be, is have their appointment with Jesus. So let's pray. So Lord, uh, you know, we thank you for, for Paul's words to us. It is written down through the centuries. Help us each day as we go into every situation. Let us have our eyes fixed on you and fixed on heaven and not on how the things of this world that sometimes distract us and basically sometimes take the motivation of our hearts. Help us, Lord, not that to be. Help us to have you always as the motivation. Let the Holy Spirit continue to heal our eyes and see the way you want us to see in this world. And give us your words to help people also come to you. So, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord. If there's anything that is distracting them or confusing them, Lord, I pray that the light of your presence will shine into their hearts and minds and help them to be remembered to always look up, to seek your presence, to seek your guidance, to listen to the Holy Spirit in all things we do, and let our motivation be to always being with you on here and in the future in heaven. So I pray this for my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were moved by today's message, that was the Holy Spirit wooing you to himself. God created the entire universe so that he could be in relationship with us, so that he could be in relationship with you. His son came to the earth. Though he was completely without sin, he died the death of a sinner, took all of our sins upon himself, and was resurrected so that we could have eternal life. All we need to do is accept what he did for us. You can find out more at westchesterchapel.org forward slash salvation. But why not pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, thank you for suffering and dying for me. Thank you that your death atoned for everything that I've done to separate me from you. I pray that you would forgive me of my sins, wash me clean, and Holy Spirit, come into my life and empower me to live for you. Amen. 
If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we'd love to know about it. Please send an email to info at westchesterchapel.org. Now, our website is under construction right now, so these links may or may not work. But if you go to westchesterchapel.blogspot.com, in the right-hand column, you'll see an article on salvation and a way to get in touch there. If you live in or near Westchester County, we hope you'll join us. Find out when we're meeting at westchesterchapel.org. Again, that website may be under construction, but be patient with us. Also, if you're outside of the area, you can join us on Zoom, and that info will be there as well. But we do encourage you to get plugged into a local body of Christ-centered, Bible-believing Christians. Lord bless you.